1: Welcome to Tower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with uh, Pete Erickson of Moda. Pete, welcome to the show, man. Mark, it is wonderful to be here. You are a legend, my friend, and I feel very lucky to
0: be uh, sitting here speaking with you today.
1: Well, well, thank you for that, but I think legends are dead people, and I'm still around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, we'll, all right, fair we'll, enough, we'll, fair enough. We'll leave are, it at that. Are, I
0: am an esteemed company, let's put it that way.
1: Well, thank you for thinking so. Uh, I, I feel kind of the same way. I mean, we haven't known each other all that long. Uh, I've known of some of your events, but we only met within the last several months. But uh, tell people a little bit about MODEV and who you are, what you do, please.
0: Oh, Mark, thank you so much. Well, Modev is an organization I founded 14 years ago. And, um, you know, it was one of these things that that sort of just kind of almost happened by mistake. I had moved to the D.C. area from Seattle. I was part of the technology uh, industry and on my third startup and uh, was new in the D.C. area. And I was really looking for the community here to connect with. Uh, The iPhone had also come out and the app stores were starting to sort of pick up some steam. And I couldn't find the sort of technology center. So I started an organization called MoDev, which stands for Mobile Development, and um, started just organizing meetups, just free meetups. Um, but that got quite popular and, and uh, it was just a great way to sort of like introduce myself to the DC community, but also start to connect with uh, folks that are part of the tech scene uh, back then. And um, I decided to organize a conference um, and it was really, I was total school of hard knocks. I didn't really know what I was doing at the time. But I put on a three-day developer conference all around mobile development called the uh, MoDev East. And that sort of like, you know, just sort of kicked off this journey for me uh, where, you know, I came home from that conference and told my wife, I said, you know, we we made money at this conference. Um, I had many people come up to me and tell me that it was a very important part of their journey in their life. I was getting similar uh, messages on a monthly basis from our meetups. And I just made the decision at that point, Mark, that that MoDev would be my full time vocation, that I would spend my time now building my product, which was convening human beings uh, together around emerging technologies. We got our start in mobile, but then we've over the last, you know, 14 years, we have journeyed into cloud and security, uh, machine learning, A.I., uh, we ended up building the number one conversational AI conference in the world. That's called Voice and AI. It just took place in September at the Washington Hilton. And um, we look for opportunities at Motive. We have a, our why is we believe human connection is vital in the era of digital transformation. And we look for opportunities where we believe there needs to be more connections made to help drive markets forward. And so that sort of drives everything we do. And you and I met because we're organizing a conference called GovAI Summit. And GovAI Summit is a, is a kind of a holistic look at the AI industry and how it's impacting public sector. And we're really excited about this conference. And I'm just thrilled at all the people that I've met uh, along the way this year and kind of bringing this together. So that's a bit about motive What we do kind of brings us to present day. Why you and I got acquainted. And um, and here we are. We're you know we're about five weeks out from this conference. And and again, as an event planner, it's you know part nerves, uh, part fear, uh, and part joy at uh, making this all happen.
1: Well, I mean, it. Number one, it uh, GovAI has a scope unlike any other AI conference I've seen thus far. Um, you're gonna have you know, tons of speakers, you got a three-day agenda, but we'll get into that a little later on. Um, One of the things I want to talk to you about is that human facet of all of the technology. So many people, particularly younger people, seem to be lacking the human face-to-face interaction side. Why is this so important to you?
0: Well, you know... There is, as we become more connected, quote unquote connected as a society, because, you know, every device we have now, you know, can connect us to one another and all the apps. So where you know, social apps, we can connect and we can make voice video calls. We can, you know, share, like, and comment on everything. It seems like we're hyper-connected, but as we become hyper-connected, we've also become disconnected. And that disconnection um, really has an impact on, on all of us. And I think, You know, there are lots of examples that, you know, we're at a we're sort of at a crisis point uh, when it comes to isolation. Isolation oftentimes is talked about with regards to, you know, uh, elderly and people that are in in some kind of care where they don't have access to the outside world. And that's certainly a huge challenge. But did you know that everybody sort of throughout society right now is sort of at risk of this isolation because we we can have this false sense that we're connected as human beings? Yet we're really not. And the the evidence of that is when you when we do get together in person, something magical happens. There's an exchange between us that is nonverbal. There's energy between people that is completely nonverbal that you can feel. You can feel it when you're at conferences or when you're in meetings, when you're sitting around a board table. Um, There's just a, you know human connection is so vital and we have to connect. So that's really at at the core of my mission is knowing that if I do a good job of providing a reason for people to come together and um, the right content and the right atmosphere, the right location and the right time, then we can let that magic happen and, um, and help move us forward, help move us forward as individuals, help us move us forward as, as organizations, help our products move forward and this is where you know ideas are formed. Ideas spark uh, when we get together in person. So it's just a big part of my mission, um, and you know I live it all the time now. And we, this conference we had in September it was just—we had people from 30 countries, and it was a wonderful experience. And nothing can replace that. No, no Zoom call that I organized. Uh, no, no virtual conference that I organized during the pandemic uh was able to replace that so even so our zoom
1: calls what
0: <laughs> mark, mark you know i have to tell you this is an exception you know connecting with you is very special but i think that you know this does have a purpose i think that you know uh, they play a role i mean these you know staying connected uh digitally is important and sharing information is important i think it's really important for us to 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 share what we know as we move along i think that's a really great thing but i do think it is vital that we uh, connect in person. So uh, one of the things you and I are going to do after this call is make sure that we get a coffee together uh, sometime within the next 10 days uh, so that we can connect in person. Cause I think it's that
1: important. I, I, I agree. Uh, how, how much did COVID exacerbate this situation?
0: Oh, I think it was, uh, I think it was a real catalyst um, in sort of driving this crisis and isolation and, um, but also, it it you know, there's a there's a I guess if there's a positive way, a positive thing about it is is I think a lot of people really understood just just how important it is to connect as human beings, and so it really it provided a very stark contrast of life without that connection, and um, and I think that you know a lot of folks look back on that time and realize, well, we did what we thought was best. But at the same time, that disconnection from others uh, came at a very high price. And so I think that um, and I think a lot of folks, you know, myself included, my wife and I've talked about this, you know, that 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 it was very isolating became very easy because it was what we're supposed to do. But then, you know, post the period when we you know, could stop isolating, I think, you know, I found myself still working from home and not really getting myself out there and sort of like got lulled into this, you know, sense of of comfort. Uh, with regards to not getting out. And then I realized like, wait a minute, you know, I'm, this is my, this is who I am and I need that connection. I need, I really hunger for that, that human connection and and connecting with others. And, and um, in, you know, personally um, it's important to me, I'm a musician and I find my, you know, when I get out and I play shows um, it does a lot for me uh, on a, on a personal level, but then professionally, there's an event I'm going to tonight uh, Alan Tyson's. I really look forward to it. I really look forward to you know to getting out there and connecting and meeting others. But the padem- pandemic, it certainly, it, I think, it really made everybody aware of just how important uh, that human connection factor is.
1: Yeah the the events that took place. I don't. I can't say immediately after COVID because I'm not sure we're past it yet. But the early events post COVID uh really, really resonated. We're gonna take a quick break. You're uh you're listening to Amtower off center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with Peter Erickson of MODEV. You can find him on LinkedIn and you can find him at MODEV M O D E V dot com. Peter and I'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Am Tower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here with Pete Erickson of Modev. Uh, we're going to be talking shortly about the upcoming Gov AI conference, uh, actually Summit, um, which will take place December four, five, and six in Crystal City. Uh, if you want information on that and you're not going to listen to the whole show, govaisummit.com but i suggest you listen to the whole show we'll give you some context for everything that's going on here so you one of the things we discussed before the show was you you say we're at another evolutionary stepping point in tech is is are you predicating that on ai or the confluence of ai and other tools
0: yeah, I think it's uh, where we are is we're really at this interesting spot. There's this, you know, we've we've gone through some major technology evolutions. You know, I mean, we've gone through several in the past. But I mean, this kind of like where we are now, I think it's it's pretty significant what's going to happen over the next decade uh, related to technology. You know, uh, we went through the invention of the transistor and how that, you know, led the, led to the electronics revolution and really drove the first computers. Um uh, then we had the the advent of the personal computer uh then we had the you know the internet then arrived uh and you know between the p c and the internet was the was the invention of the relational database that really drove the ability for there to be one to one marketing and digital marketing so that that was fertile ground for when the internet did arrive for companies really to start to um leverage the power of digital marketing and and we saw that happen. Uh, then the arrival of the iPhone really revolutionized, uh, you know, the the reach of, of technologies and applications. And everybody suddenly had a, a pretty powerful computer in their pocket, pocket that was also a GPS device. And, you know, the explosion of the app economy and uh, the digital transformation, the arrival of several new major companies that, you know, didn't even exist before. Of course, the Internet drove major, major new companies. But then you've got, you know, Uber and Lyft and Airbnb and all of these you know, mobile-first companies that it just exploded. And then we got a peek into AI. Um, you know, Siri came in 2011, and that was the first AI assistant in the pocket, if you will. Um, and, you know, we we held a, a meeting uh, of developers around Siri in 2011 to talk about how voice could actually revolutionize the applications that they were building. And it was very eye-opening. Uh, developers at that time were pretty incredulous. They they couldn't get access to that Siri API. Go forward four years and the arrival of Alexa uh, was 2015, 2016. Uh, we actually hosted the very first developer workshop for Alexa uh, in partnership with Amazon to teach developers what it would be like to build uh, their own custom Alexa skill. So we got to see AI starting to be leveraged in a way that um, we hadn't before. And that was sort of the precursor to what happened a year ago with uh, the arrival of ChatGPT, which was sort of the next iteration of AI and sort of a conversational AI interface. And um, and that was driven by the large language model. Now, large language models have been around for some time. Uh, Google released their paper on large language models in 2017. Uh, but um, OpenAI, which is you know now famously raised a lot of money and has a lot of significant investors, uh, released ChatGPT almost to the surprise of a lot of people because it's a very powerful technology to put into the hands of consumers. But it really sort of blew the doors open when it comes to artificial intelligence and, uh, you know, the consumer. And um, now we've got this sort of new revolution that's happening of the foundational large language models and everybody jockeying for positions. So Microsoft put their $10 billion into OpenAI AI. Um, Google just invested another two billion dollars into Anthropic. Um, uh, Facebook released uh, Llama, their version of um, of large language model, and you just got several. You got Cohere, you got others. So they're everybody's jockeying for position, you know, to be sort of the a foundational major player in this space. But what's happening is everything that we touch and everything, every application that we use is about to go through this transformation, not unlike the transformation that happened from the web to mobile. Here we are going from, you know, uh, you know, just a a cloud-based SaaS technology application. That's now going to be driven by AI. And then in the future, we're going to have quantum even making that more powerful. So we're going through a really interesting time right now. uh, And, That's why I love convening these conversations, because this is when it's this is when it's very exciting.
1: Okay, Um, the 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 adoption of this is. I mean, I guess still kind of in its infancy, even though AI tools have been around for a while and have been used both in governmental and private organizations for for some time. Um, I know I had a client that was uh, involved in simulation and they used AI tools to help develop those. Uh, Don't know how because I'm not a technologist, but I I know that it's been here for a while. Go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say, yeah, AI has been around for a long time. I mean, it's been around since the 1960s. Um, You know, what was cool is uh, Space Odyssey 2001, which came out Mm -hmm. in 1966 or sixty-nine, which year was? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, somewhere around there, right? I mean, Hal was so well depicted in that movie. Um, But it's the reason why they were able to depict Hal at that time is AI was already starting. Um, And so it's been it's been behind the scenes. AI has been a big part of social media. AI drives social media. Anybody that's used any social media or a dating application, um, AI is behind the scenes. I think what's happened now is AI's jumped out of the computer screen almost, and now it's here. And it's like it's a tool that that so many people have access to. Um, you know, uh, uh, Satya Nadella at Microsoft really kind of calls it the co-pilot uh, versus being behind the scenes. In fact, that's the name of their sort of AI assistant strategy, which they uh, they adopted from the acquisition of GitHub. Uh, GitHub is a developer. Uh, platform uh, developer and, and, you know, of a code sharing and application sharing platform um, that has had a co-pilot coding assistant uh, driven by AI for the last couple of years. And now co-pilot going to be the name of all of the products that are offered across the Microsoft suite um, sort of driving this, you know, new level of engagement. But back to your point, yes, AI, machine learning have definitely been around for a long time. It's just now you're going to see uh, sort of consumer uh, applications that are incorporated, but also uh, enterprise applications, governmental applications uh, that are going to be driven by uh, AI sort of at the application layer.
1: When when are we going to have refrigerators that uh, give you your uh, grocery list? Or do we already... <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, you know, so there are already smart fridge refrigerators that can uh, understand exactly everything that's in your fridge, how much is left of everything that's in your fridge, um, and I know Samsung has probably been, I think, one of the companies at the forefront on that stuff. But uh, LG might kill me for saying that, but um, I think that uh, you if know, either of them uh, are things, sponsors
1: to the show, I'd worry. But yeah.
0: no, 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 no sponsors here. No, we won't. We don't need to talk about sponsors. There's too much, too much, uh, too much innovation to talk about right now.
1: Yeah, you know, when I started getting Google notices on where I traveled last month, uh I began yeah. to see uh some some intrusive aspects of this and uh you know, I I uh, I worked with a couple of companies that did uh, e-discovery type things and the you know, the other part of this was, you know, the the first session I sat in on e-discovery, the uh the speaker said you know i traveled from houston to chicago and there are 2600 plus uh information points along the way that i can identify and anybody who is you know savvy in this can can track my movements 2600 for one flight you know
0: right it's mind boggling right. yeah well, you know, it goes back to that fact that we are such a connected society now, right? And, um, you know, there's there's so many examples of the old world versus the new world. An early one, you know, when mobile applications first came, I think it was um, uh, who made the acquisition of the... There was a um, kind of a GPS network of, of hardware devices along every major highway in America that was a, a tracking system for... Um, for real-time, you know, GPS coordinates, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that company was actually acquired by Nokia for like $7.6 billion, right around the time that the iPhone had come out. Within like 18 months, um, you know, uh, uh, Waze uh, was a mobile application that only used the other, you know, that only used other users uh, to coordinate, you um, you know, traffic and 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 build a network of of highways and maps and smart maps and everything else like that, and completely disrupted that space and take that you know seven point six billion dollar investment and basically made it worth worthless within a couple of years. We're sort of gonna we're gonna see that happening in other ways, uh, just with regards to like what AI can do for us now. Um, you know, just in terms of routing both. Electricity routing uh, information, um, and you know routing traffic, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we're going to we're coming into a kind of a really disruptive period. It remains to be seen where most of those disruptions are going to come from, uh, and that's where the innovation comes in, and that's where the invention comes in, and that's that's why we're kind of at this really exciting point uh, in technology.
1: Let's pick that up after this break you're listening to amtower off center on the federal news network pete and i will continue this conversation right after this welcome back to amtower off center on the federal news network i'm here today with pete erickson pete is the founder of modev m-o-d-e-v dot com Uh, he is the producer of the upcoming gov ai summit in uh, crystal city december four through six uh, go to govai um, Pete, you know, in in our last segment, you referenced eighteen months. Well, whenever I hear eighteen months, I think of Moore's law, which right. was based on the you know the transistor doubling of speeds of computers every eighteen months. And I think you know very yeah. shortly after he came up with that law, that that it was outdated too because speed started going faster and faster in shorter periods of time but but extrapolate take take that and extrapolate with what's going on here because you said you know nokia bought uh this this company for 7.2 or something billion and within 24 months it was uh probably you know dust
0: yeah so it's interesting we are sort of at this really interesting time um And I think what the, what, what Nokia couldn't see at the time when they made this acquisition, and I'm trying to remember the name of the company they acquired, was that the, the sort of like dematerialization that software would have on hardware. Um, so software has dematerialized so many pieces of hardware. You think about like, you know, the alarm clock on the bedside table, right? So largely, largely gone, um, uh, but, you know, there are many, many, many other examples, uh, cameras, um, you know, expensive, you know, uh, whether it's the little home home video cameras. I mean, nobody needs them anymore. Right. So there's been a lot of examples of how heart, a software eats hardware. What's happening in, uh, to Moore's law is really interesting because, um, you know, yes, you could say that the uh, size, the capacity and throughput of a transistor in 1960s was going to double every 18 months. And that's that happened through the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. But now we're getting to the point where we are, you know, the speed of light is finite. Um, uh, electrons move through, um, you know, materials at, at, at a, at a finite speed. And we're sort of at this point where we've reached this sort of like almost, you know, threshold where, Maybe that Moore's law, we've hit sort of like a a ceiling for that piece of technology. However, uh, what's going to happen is we go back to software. Um, We're not going to slow down in terms of like Moore's law is not going to slow down in terms of if you want to apply it to the way that software can change, have wholesale changes in the way that, you know, technology works and the way that organizations work the way that data is being managed and really i think that that's where we are we're at this new age of how data is managed we have so much data for one thing you go back to the digital you know um you know the digital revolution starting back maybe in the 80s and 90s and then the internet and now we just produce you know uh you know petabytes and petabytes of data on a daily basis that data has to be managed somehow well ai is where that's going to be managed. And so the the exponential growth of technology is not going to happen at the physical level. It's going to happen at the software level. And I think that, you know, the speed of transistors, like, like you know, I was saying, speed of light is finite, but we do have quantum computing company coming. We have large language models and how we manage data. Um, you know, we had relational database da- databases before to help us manage data and do one-to-one marketing. Now we have vector databases and large language models. So we're really entering this period where software is going to start to be the sort of the new hardware transistor, if you will. And the way that we're able to manage data is going to the speed at which we're able to manage data is probably going to double every 18 months, you know, from from here on out. So I think it switches from a hardware computation to a software computation. And um, and that's. That's what I think a lot of people know. And that's what's really driven, you know, NVIDIA is now worth so much money because they've made the GPU that everybody's building uh, their large language models on. And there's, there's a, there's a fight for supremacy there. So interesting times. um, And I hope I was able to, you know, answer that question appropriately. Um, But we've switched Moore's law, I think has switched from being a hardware based law to one that's now switching into software and data
1: yeah I mean you know it number one, bringing up more wasn't really a question. I just wanted to open the floodgate because I knew you could take that and run, but it you know it's it's still an interesting concept uh you know do you do you really think it's going to take eighteen months for significant changes to occur now, especially if people are using uh AI and large language models?
0: Well, I think that it's it's interesting. It's hard to say when the, you know, if you want to say that the, the speed at which we can manage, you know, petabytes of data um, is going to improve. We know that's going to happen. There are other factors though right now. One is cost. Um, it, it is becoming well-publicized that training a large language model and and utilizing GPUs in a cloud storage facility is incredibly expensive. Um, So I think that there's two forces at work here, Mark. One is that, yeah, there's a desire to increase the speed, um, but there's probably not a desire to then meet that with exponential cost. So there's going to be an interesting dynamic in the market where the The major cloud providers, so the clouds, you know, AWS and Google and IBM and uh, Azure, Oracle are going to be competing not only for performance but also for cost. And so that's where there's a a, a big opportunity in this market is to um, is to not just increase speed but but also to reduce cost. And so that's going to be going to be interesting to see how that how that plays out. So we're not just in a, we're not just only in a speed game. So it's a, it's an interesting, interesting dynamic, but it's also why you see the investments as big as they are. You just, the investments in this space are, are so large. Um, and, uh, you know, we, yeah. So we're excited about, we're excited to see how this market shakes out. And that's why, that's why I just love being, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's a little like being at a, at a formula one race, um, and, and seeing the big, seeing the big, seeing the big auto manufacturers, you know, grind it out on the, on the racetrack.
1: Yeah. It, it's certainly extremely interesting from the sidelines, but, you know, I'm going back to the Nokia model for a minute, you know, where am I placing my bet and what's it going to be worth in 24 months? So I'm, I'm glad I am not in that decision-making process, but Again, it's sure as hell fun to sit here on the sidelines and and think about it and and watch it. I don't want you to prognosticate here, but who are some of the leaders in the uh in the race for a i supremacy
0: yeah it's got you got a really interesting um kind of race heating up. I think one thing that's you know you know you're in a new market when there's a new entrant that before didn't you know is now a household name almost open a i you know, it's a little like they didn't really come out of nowhere. They've been around. Um, they've been sol- you know, looking at solving this problem since 20, I think, 2016 or 2017 when they really got their uh, funding start. And you've got Microsoft, you know, partnering with them, basically realizing early on we're not able to just develop our own technology here and jump into this race. Microsoft made that mistake with mobile. They were late to the mobile game. You know, they were heavily invested in their in their mobile OS and their mobile OS devices back in uh, between, you know, 2000, 2000 and 2007 and 2008. Um, they tried really hard to catch up with, uh, with Apple and um, release their own phone. And then eventually they had to abandon it. So it was a huge, costly mistake. If you remember, Amazon made the same mistake. Amazon tried to launch the Fire Phone. I actually produced... Amazon's very first developer workshop for Firefox. I I know that I know that team and that product pretty well, um, but they also missed that market. Very expensive mistake. So you got OpenAI as the kind of the, one of the top private companies, but then you've got others that, that, that are like focused on open source. A company called Anthropic. They have an open source model for their large language model. What does open source mean? Well, it means that you know general public developers can go and access the source code and build against that model uh, without a paying license. So they can actually license it for free to build on it. What their bet is that more and more people will build on this from an open source standpoint and build a super strong model. And the way that they monetize it then is just through other means, through other services. They can also build extensions that are uh, licensable for different types of specific applications and go into licensing uh, agreements there. But the core model is open source. Facebook has an open source model. Uh, their Llama model is open source. And then you've got companies like Cohere, well-funded company with their own proprietary, you know, large language model. Uh, you've got others in the space like DeepMind. IBM has uh, their large language model. So you got the major players, but the big, uh, the big, the 800-pound gorilla in the space is open AI right now. And the reason they are is because they were first to the game. They have a very easy to use API so that any major brand or major organization can start to build on the GPT 3.5 or 4.0 model. And uh, yeah, so it's heating up. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens uh, over the next year. It's a critical year. That's why uh, you'll see all these major investments happening. So you know, here we go. You're going to, you're going to start seeing more and more about these major LLMs, but think about those LLMs as kind of like operating systems. They're AI operating systems. And, and I think too, what's going to happen, Mark, is while there are, you know, some companies will standardize on one operating system. I believe that the the most enterprise companies are going to use multiple operating systems, depending on what task they're trying to get done. Cool.
1: Yeah, well, that's where we're coming back right after the break, the government sector. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. Pete and I will wrap up right after this. Welcome back to Am Tower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with Peter Erickson of MoDev, producer of the uh, GovAI Summit coming up December 4th through 6th. So when we were preparing for the show you know, we know that the public sector is experimenting with this. We know there's a huge national security priority uh, involved here. And there's a lot of tools that can be used here. So what led you to come up with the GovAI Summit?
0: Yeah, thanks, Mark. I think that... um... You know, of all the events that we've organized over the last 14 years, we've had a really strong public sector involvement, even for events that weren't in the DC area. We've done events around the country and around the world. You know, the public sector is a very unique market. And I would say that, you know, right now, you know, generally speaking, you can say that the public sector may be lagged behind the commercial sector when it comes to adoption. However, one interesting thing about the AI industry is, you know, with DARPA and the NSA, they were on the very front foot leading the, you know, I would say the development and the adoption of AI for many, many years, for decades. And now we're sort of at this really interesting time where the commercial markets are abuzz with um, large language models and generative AI and how that's going to transform industries. And there are some examples of that that are happening. But The public sector is at this interesting, I think this interesting crossroads as it relates to AI for many reasons. And and that's why we really wanted to explore this market. One, given the the government does have a deep background in AI and AI development, couple that with this kind of breakthrough technology of open AI, and you get this interesting collision of uh, commercial markets and public sector markets. So it's an interesting one to just be a part of in general. Um. But then there's just this enormous opportunity for this next wave of transformation. I want to be on the forefront of that next wave of transformation, both on the commercial side and on the public sector side. We want to see how AI and generative AI and other other components of of machine learning in in the AI markets can help transform local, state, and federal uh, governments, because we think it's a huge opportunity uh, for those governments for efficiency, for improved engagement for access to information, and there are so many examples of that. We've been able to interview more than 50 government leaders for this event and talk about the ways that AI can help transform what it is they're working on. So just from a market standpoint, from a timing standpoint, it's a really interesting time to be a part of this conversation. But what we also want to do is we want to help move that conversation forward. There's really a national uh, security component of this where – you've got other governments that are moving at light speed in the space. So, you know, China, North Korea, um, Russia, you know, other folks that we may not consider our best friends are moving full steam ahead with these tools. Um, And I know that, you know, this is not a, it's not a matter of like generative AI being, you know, like on the battlefield right now, that's not the right, that's not, that's not the right use case. I do think, though, as a country, you know, we were very fortunate in the United States because we sort of led the Internet revolution globally. Right. And that really was a big benefit to the United States in many, many different ways. Um, We want to be the ones that lead this next wave of AI revolution. Um, And therefore, you know, I sort of see my my role in this as a, you know, as a private organization um, doing all I can to make sure we drive this conversation forward, connect the people that are part of this market to know what 's the art of the possible, where are the challenges? how do we move forward um, as as industries and how do we move forward as a as a nation to ensure that you know we 're on the forefront of this i'd love to be a part of the conversation I want to be a part i want to be a, I want to be able to watch it and and witness it up close and and we already are so We've had a great response, Mark, from so many across the government sphere that this is that they're excited about an event like ours. And I would just say this one thing about, about the way that we approach this. We don't approach what we're doing from a closed um, uh, network. Uh, this is a very open event where we do an open call for proposals. We want to see people submit talks from across the landscape, from around the world. And we want to bring... And then we evaluate those talks on their merits. And we build a program that reflects the industry. Um, so um, we're not a platform company. We don't have anything to sell. So we, can t- we, we sort of had the benefit of being able to look at this market from a, from a, from a broad lens. And that's, that's our promise and that's our difference. So we're excited about it. Um, it's an interesting time. And, um, and as you know, there's obviously with, the, with what's going on in the Middle East, technology plays a key role and information and intelligence and all this stuff. And so there's, there's, there's big things at stake when it comes to AI and and how it's implemented. And, and um, like I said, we can help move that conversation forward.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm extremely aware of the number of presentations submitted as a, as a member of your (laughs) board of advisors. I think I read about 192 uh, submissions over the last three weeks. Um, well, and thank
0: you so much for that. Uh, that that's hard work. And, um, but hopefully you got to see, you know, why it is we do what we do and the way that we do it and the way that we approach the market. So we don't just curate an event based on what we think is important. We curate an event based on what the, what the industry is submitting and we need advisors like you that can read through those proposals and, and, um, and score and rate them. So thank you so much for doing that.
1: Yeah, I, I will not say that i understood the technology that several were discussing but i could see the relevancy and i could see the scope and it it was it was truly you know it was like a graduate course for me uh just reading through those things so that was pretty cool thank you for inviting me to do so but you know the result of that is you have a program that's uh that's three days in length uh Speakers from, uh, I don't want to miss anybody, but just tip of the iceberg Homeland Security, TSA, International Trade Administration, Library of Congress, which is going to be very involved in this, EPA, Energy, uh, you know, DOD, uh, National Science Foundation, and not to mention, you know, the industry experts that will be coming in and some pretty niche experts as well. So this is going to be an extraordinary event for those seeking, uh, you know, new sources of information on this. You'll have an exhibit hall. Um, you know, what don't you have? Yeah. Well, Hey,
0: Yeah. It's, it's a labor of love. You know, we, I I love, I love our approach. Uh, we stick to our guns in the way that we do this and, you know, you, you'll see industry on there. We don't, you know, these aren't sponsored talks. We don't make industry pay to speak. Um, we, um, everybody's, all these talks are submitted and accepted on their merits. Um, and, um, yeah, so it, that gives us an opportunity to, to include everybody in the conversation and, uh, yeah, we're excited about. It. We do have some speakers that haven't been announced yet, so we will be making some announcements on some very senior, you know, level DoD officials uh, that are going to be joining the program. Um, it's also just been a challenging time. We recognize people's needs to to stay focused on mission right now, especially. Um, but we do hope to be uh, confirming that. And and like I said, what people can expect is both strategy uh, from a you know from a. Agency side, you're going to hear uh, strategy, both operationally, um, uh, you know, and um, and then mission oriented. So when it comes to, you know, it comes to DHS, you've got DHS, the organization and how AI is going to impact uh, the the organization. But then you've got, you know, mission related. So like for travel, how is AI, you know, increasing the throughput for the consumer and for the traveler? and and actually improving the experience. So there's just all kinds of ways, you know, that AI is impacting missions to of energy. Certainly, there's just so many ways. Um so we're excited about, you know, bringing that strategy, but then folks can actually get tactical and they can actually take hands-on um classes uh, throughout the throughout the 3 days uh from experts in the industry on on how tos, how to build applications, how to manage applications. Other components of um, of AI budgeting team organizationally, it has such a big impact. So we have a a well rounded program that is part hands on training, part networking, part strategy. And you know our promise is if you you know if you attend this conference, you're going to leave with something valuable, um, whether it's in the form of connections or information to help move your you know move yourselves forward. And so come connect with other people, meet some great folks, brilliant minds, expand your network expand your knowledge and help move, you know, not only your own career and products and org- organization forward, but help us move this industry forward together.
1: Cool. Peter, I can't thank you enough for uh, for coming on, man. And I thank you again for including me uh, on your board so I could, you know, kibitz this entire uh, process. I appreciate it. Uh, For those out there, podcasting, being on the radio is not my day job. I operate at the intersection of thought leadership content and LinkedIn. I help companies and individuals build subject matter expert positions in the federal market to build stronger pipelines. If you'd like to discuss this, drop me a line at markamtower at gmail.com or better yet, send me an email through LinkedIn where you'll find me just about 24 hours a day. Please share this podcast with people who will benefit and like it on the platform of your choice. And finally, thank you for listening to Amtower Off-Center.
0: You've been listening to Amtower Off-Center on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.